<clears throat> Hi coaches, Brian Blackburn here with the Pound the Rock podcast. want to thank HardwoodTexas.com for sponsoring our podcast and our sponsors Huddle, Waterboy Graphics, Scholastic Steel, Jeremy Thomas Agency with Allstate, as well as Tumbleweed Textiles. Today our guest is coach, former coach Trey Moore from Martins Mill High School. Uh, he was the head boys basketball coach there for a number of years, has a lot of great insight into the success that he had at the small school level, and then just some some words of wisdom for younger coaches and, and things that uh, he would have changed, things he would have done different, things he would have done the same in regards to his coaching career. So, Trey, thanks for being with us today. Hi, uh, Brian. appreciate you having me. It's, uh, it's a joy to be back. I, I miss uh, the camaraderie of all the coaches. It's uh, probably the biggest thing that I miss from uh, not being a coach. Right. Well, I know you had a great career and you had a lot of unbelievable experiences some of them include the, the state basketball tournament, uh, multiple regional regional tournaments, as well as coaching your own son. And so let's just jump right in here and say, I uh, wanted to ask, what would you tell yourself now uh, if you were looking back as a, as a first-year coach? What would you tell yourself back then that you know now? Yeah, I could talk for four hours on that. <laughs> uh, and you and I have, actually. Uh, we, we have. But <laughs> uh, I, I think the... You know, the first thing that I would do is um, I would not worry about um, criticism from bringing somebody in. I, I think the, a great piece of advice that I didn't take, and I wish that I would have, would, was to get an old retired coach that you respected, um, have him come in, watch practices, and have him criticize your practices and your game prep. And, and you know, as a new head coach, I wasn't comfortable with that, and uh, I think it would help me tremendously to get um, – because we had some guys like that around here that, that were retired coaches, and, and I would love to have you know, brought those guys in and, and gone through and, and just let them uh, teach me and give me some wisdom about how we, we were performing our practices. Yeah, that's really uh, good. Yeah, and I really wish I would, you know, would have done that. And that, that would, for a new coach, that would be you know, one of the first things that, that I would tell him. Um, you know, I tell a lot of people that, that I got out because of the parents and just got tired of dealing with parents. And then I wanted to, to watch my, my eldest son, Davis, you know, play a senior year. But, you know, really a, another big reason I got out is because um, I, I hate losing so much more than I enjoy winning. Yeah. And, and my, my advice to somebody new that's really a competitor is that, man, celebrate those wins and let your team celebrate those wins because if not, it, it, it's going to tear you up. And, um, there's very few teams at the end of the year that finish on a on a win, and um, we were never fortunate enough to be one of those teams. And it, you know, just tell you if you don't. And and so that, that that's something I would say. You know, when you when you reach a goal for your team that you set for that year, man, you celebrate it. You know, let them celebrate it. Um, celebrate the big wins and and um, learn from the losses. But but you know, just don't let it don't let it kill you. Like uh, I screwed up and let it kill me. I had a coach tell me one time that one win is one win and one loss is one loss, but some coaches allow one win to be one win and one loss to be five losses. Yeah, and that's really you know how I focused on it. And maybe one loss was ten losses. You know, until probably a year ago, I could still go through and tell you every loss that we had um, at our program. So uh, it just shows you that I focused on that way, way too much. Um, but. You know, so that would be definitely something that, that I would suggest. And then I think uh, as a first-year coach, I didn't realize 
that you cannot work in the game situations too much. Um, it gives your kids great knowledge on, on the game. Um, you know, just gives them confidence in the games, gives you confidence in the games. And, and you know, I would typically our practices would end. We broke our practices into four quarters, and our fourth quarter typically was in the game scenarios. Um, you know, we had a, a chart of in the game scenarios, and and then we just pick you know uh, those out for each practice and go through and, and do that. So. Yeah, that that'd be another piece of advice I would give um, on that. That's really good. There was a there just real quick. There was a podcast I was listening to recently from a college coach, and they have the you know the timeouts and the television timeouts that they always took. He said that thirty percent of their games were after timeouts, and that you know that would include those end of game situations. And so he said, if thirty yeah. percent of your practice doesn't focus on ATOs after timeouts then maybe you need to reconfigure how your practice works. And so I love that you, and we'll talk more about your practice planning, how you made one quarter focused on the, the end of game or out of timeout situations. That's really that's really good. I just wrote a note on that. So I need to do that. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think that uh, we, we would bring a, a folder to the bench that had those in-the-game plays going up on them um, just so that it was easy for us to flip to real quick and say, you know, hey, you're running the three, you're the two, and and that the kids would just be able to see it again real quick. Because um, you never know in the game what who's going to be in foul trouble, who's going to be, you know, what, what are you scrambling, you know, what are you having to use in there that maybe you didn't practice. And so we would have those on the bench to be able to go through really quick and not even have to draw it up on the grease board, just be able to flip to a chart and show that real fast. And, and that, that worked well for us too. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I would say just a couple more real quick, to, to, you know, that I – I don't know how much words of wisdom would be coming from me, but some things that I feel like is, um, you know, making it about the kids. You know, if they don't, if they don't know that you love them and that you're willing to do everything, you know, anything and everything for them, um, then they're not going to sell out to your program. Um, so, you know, make it about them and not about the uh, the wins. Um, you know, I would say that one of the guys that work with me, uh, Barry Gill, who's at Bullard now. It said when he first started coaching, he went down to see uh, Sammy Tadelka, and Sammy had, had told him, or Barry had said, hey, you know, Sammy, what's the, just give me one thing, just one thing, you know, secret of being a great coach, you know, what would that be? And um, Sammy said scheduling. And, and you know, I, I think that um, I was never smart enough to do that. We, you know, our, my ego got into it, and we always try to play up and, and you know, one of those big wins. But, you know, I think you got to look at, at your team, um, don't just fill in the dates. You know, get yourself some early wins, get some confidence in your, with your kids, and, and, and schedule those challenging games strategically um, so that you're going into district in the position that you, you know, you think that you need, depending on, on your kids and your team. Uh, you, you may need a killer schedule. You may need to really lighten up. So I think, you know, scheduling would be important because you, you go into your first year head coach and you load your schedule up in year two and six to start the season. Your fans, your kids, you know, nobody can be buying into you very much. That's that. Um, yeah, that's that's great advice. The the buy-in from the players, just getting those early wins. And because we're playing basketball, I don't think one win or excuse me, one loss is going to kill your season in the pre-district. You know, we've played games here at Wall that we lost in pre-district after having maybe five practices after football. But yeah. we played a really good team, a 4A team, and we were like, guys, you know, these are things we can all fix before we get to the, you know, the second round of the playoffs or whatever. And, you know, before we get to the regional tournament, whatever. 
And uh, the kids still gained confidence from that game because, hey, this team was ranked in 4A, and we still you know, played them pretty tough. And so, man, I, I'm glad you mentioned scheduling because that's something we haven't talked about at all on this podcast. Yeah, you know, I just think it can it play a huge role in the mental aspect for your kids and, and, and for you. And, you know, when, if you're a new guy at school, I think the, the first thing you need to do is get your teams playing the leagues outside of school just as much as possible. Um, and, you know, from how, depending on how long you're going to be there, my advice would be not to be longer to school than five years. Uh, go in and be a hero, you know, get things going, and, you know, go move somewhere else and do the same thing. Because that's uh, one mistake I made was staying where I was and still live you know, too long, um, you're going to piss off, uh, you know, several people every year, and that starts to add up. But, <laughs> you know, get, get those get those kids playing in, in leagues, uh, and then I would get the absolute dumbest dad in the school to coach them because that knows the absolute least about basketball. Because then you ain't get worried about that guy thinking wherever season is going on that, you know, how, you know, because he was the coach, they won all their summer league games. And it makes your kids step up and develop some leadership. Uh, because a lot of times those, those dads that are your best dads, you know, and those kids are in maybe in junior high, even maybe younger grades, they're out there coaching them. I mean, they're really doing it for selfish reasons. And then when their kid gets in high school, they want their kid to be the stud, and they're not going to agree if he's not the stud. And so sometimes those best dads, uh, you know, parents when they're younger become the worst parents when they're older. Yeah. That's a good thought. I, you know, the the have who's going to coach your team? Maybe if you're at a place, uh, and you get to know the former players, having the former players coach yeah. your team, I think you know that's what I tried to do. Even though I I wasn't coaching some of these guys, they they were around and we would play open gym during the summer. So I'd ask those two guys to try to coach them. I just wanted to get the parents being parents, you know, and not being not being coaches. And so there's there's definitely some things to think about there for that that process of summer basketball and spring league and fall league. Yeah, I, mean, I think that, you know, definitely if you can have a former player that's your former player or, um, you know, kid that you know that was played before that was there that will not contradict, you know, you, that, that's definitely the best. But kind of where we live, it's, um, you know, it's a journey to most games, and a lot of times we didn't have kids yeah. that were former players that could travel with the teams to, to play as much as we would travel. But, it, yeah, that's definitely the, the better uh, route to use. But um, I'd be hesitant about using that, that guy that you think that kid's going to be good when he gets in high school because a lot of times that guy can turn on you. Yeah. Uh, can I mention something that you've told uh-huh. me before? Uh, yeah. uh, coach him hard in practice and get on him in practice, but it, when the game shows up and people are in the stands uh-huh. – you would want yeah. you would want the the parents the fans to see you yeah. being positive and really uh, encouraging. Is that you want to go into yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, just you know, first off, I would I would recommend um, that you have closed practices and that your superintendent needs to support you in that, or your athletic director if, if that's the route at the school that you're at, and that you know you can be a screaming lunatic in practice. <laughs> uh, you know, get those kids. You know, playing, practicing hard, and getting after it, and and um, but then when the game's there, you know those those fans aren't going to see your relationship with those kids. They're not going to see you in the locker room with them after games or after losses and putting your arm around. Them. They're not going to see you feed them at your house. They're not going to see you in your office, you, you know, shedding tears with them over things that they're going through in their life. They're just going to see some raving lunatic on the sideline, and and you know how mean that you are to those kids. So you know, coach them 
as hard as you want to during practice. But then in the game, be positive as much as you can, be encouraging, and 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 coach. Um, you know the game situation. Uh, I think that would that would alleviate a lot of problems that that guys have that are intense coaches. Yeah. Let, let's uh, switch gears just a little bit. What um, what 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 would you say? Your culture was built on at Martin's Mill. What was your culture built on, and why was it built that way? Well, I, I think our culture was, you know, hard work, and and um, even though we were a basketball school, and I just say that by that we don't have football at Martin's Mill, um, and you know, at times we had some kids that could shoot and and had some pretty decent offenses. I, you know, I think we really tried to base our culture on our defense and hard work. Uh, first off, because it's teaching kids life lessons that you know if they work hard, you might you can make mistakes, but but through hard work you can get through that in life. And the same thing on the basketball court. You know if you're working hard and, and flying around, it's going to solve a lot of defensive problems that you might have, or you know even um, some offensive problems that that you've um, created. And, and then along with that love, I think that your kids have to genuinely know that you really love and care about them, not just as basketball players, but about their soul. Uh, about their life, about their future, um, and that you're going to be there for them, whether you know you're down the road at another school or or wherever you are. Because if, if you can get them to believe that, they will do anything in the world for you, uh, and, and they're going to work as hard as as you need them to. And, and so I think you know that hard work of instilling that that uh, you're going to demand that they work hard, uh, or practice is going to start over. You know, they don't come out here and get into it. Then, hey, let's you know, we're going to start practice over whether it's whether you're two hours into it or 15 minutes into it. Um, and, and then the, the love. I mean, you have to genuinely love the kids for them to. Um, they know some these kids are smart. You know, you, you have to really care about them. Yeah, uh, you know, one thing that uh, I, I ran across recently, just came across recently when I was online, was uh, someone described you. It must have been someone from your church, possibly, as a mighty man of valor. And they had a lot of really good things to say about you and how you treated the kids and how you uh, related to them and what you did for the school and the community. And I thought that was really neat that uh, someone would describe a coach as a mighty man of valor like uh, it's described in the Bible. Of, uh, of, of I'm, just glad, I'm just glad somebody read what I posted online about myself. <laughs> 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 your 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 alias, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I appreciate that, and I mean, there trust me, there be there would be plenty to contradict that, but I appreciate I appreciate somebody posting something nice. 